your positive, positive, positive imprint. Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Well, it's Thanksgiving here in the United States, and happy Thanksgiving from your positive imprint. And that's me, Catherine, your host, my husband, Mike, and YPI's marketer, Celia Cortez. Today's episode is a Thanksgiving bonus episode featuring Merle Garrett Powell. Merle is 88 years old and part of what is called the greatest generation. She grew up during the Depression in the United States, but is thankful for everything her parents did for her. As an adult, she held her own job. Later, she married the well-known king crab scientist Guy Powell. A documentary on Guy Powell is being produced by my niece, documentary filmmaker Sarah Lanier. But right now, let's meet Merle out in Kodiak, Alaska. I have been enjoying some wonderful home-cooked meals here with Merle Garrett Powell. She was born in 1931 down in Arkansas, and she is still cooking away, and she has some fantastic positive imprints that she has planted and I'm excited to have her here. Merle, tell us about your upbringing first and what brought you to home economics. Well, I was born kind of during the depression and my folks were not rich at all. My dad was self-educated after the fifth or sixth grade because at that time poor families took their children out of school to work either in the fields or whatever. I was the third child, and out of seven, when I got older, I did a lot of the cooking, and I enjoyed cooking. I remember we lived uh, on a rented uh, acreage with uh, a small house. It seemed big to me at the time, but when I went back, I was amazed how small the kitchen was. We had a well for water, and it had hard water, so we had to buy the water to drink. And it came in in five-gallon jugs that we'd put in a cradle so that you could access it. But I remember we didn't have a lot of money, but Mother would always be given the same amount of money every week to go get groceries. And she always got the same thing knowing that that's exactly what she could afford. It was interesting, and often she would have us cook. Hmm. And uh, I enjoyed the cooking, but never thought about going on further with that. And, and so you were doing the cooking for all? No, it was just helping cooking. And then if she, there were times when, when she was sick, or even in high school, and I really I always have felt bad about this, She finally had the kids raised enough so that she got a job, and she loved it. It was in a millinery store where she sold hats. She would take the bus every morning to town and then come back. And uh, it was such a a different life for her, one who had grown up on a cotton farm, picking cotton. And uh, she just really enjoyed the, the experience. But then I was in charge of cooking the meal for everybody because she wouldn't be home in time to cook it. And one day I had fixed a meatloaf, and I had worked with that and put it in the stove, and Dad came home 
before she did or I don't even remember her in the picture right then. She hadn't come on yet. And he said, that meat is spoiled. I didn't know the difference. I had made this meatloaf with meat that was not good. And so I just, I just dissolved into tears because Aww. it was a failure. And <clears throat> that was the wrong thing to have done because after that, he said to Mother, Merle is overworked. She shouldn't be doing this. So Mother had to quit her job. Oh, no. And That's I've always oh, felt my. so guilty about about her having to quit when it was something that she really enjoyed. But oh. anyway, then I, when I finished high school, I went to, started college in a small Christian college in Arkansas. And first I started in um, office work or something because my sister had done that. You know, you follow the first one. That wasn't really what I wanted. So I changed to home economics, and I could only take certain courses there in the small college. So then I transferred to Louisiana Tech to finish that. And after that, I taught in two rural communities, Mooringsport and Bethany. Uh, the first was a full year at Mooringsport, and then the next time they divided it, so I had half time at each one. And uh, then... I taught two years then, and then my dad offered um, graduate school. He was one that had not had any college or anything. He had self-taught, and he was a mechanical engineer, and he never was without a job during the Depression, but there wasn't a lot of money. But when the Poland Brothers started the Poland Chainsaw Company, they hired him as their chief engineer. And that's when he started making enough money to send his kids to college. Wow. And so that was really exciting, going to college. I went to Missoula to get my graduate degree. Right after that, I was hired by Abilene Christian College for their home economics um, department, where I did teach some sewing and cooking classes, but my main job was in charge of the home management house, where half a dozen home ec students would register for a half a year at the home management house, where they took charge of the whole shebang. They would divide the duties, and these would rotate, and it would be the cook or the assistant cook or the house cleaner or the just all the jobs were divided among the six. And so they learned a lot from each each thing, and uh, that was really enjoyable because you got to know the students really well, and it was just a, a fun experience. After I was there for three years, I got wanderlust, <laughs> <laughs> and I I applied to Kodiak, Alaska. Why did you choose Kodiak, Alaska? Well, when I was in college, I'd met this young man that oh. was there as well. And he had gotten a job in Kodiak, Alaska. And he had encouraged me to come up and see what I thought about Kodiak. So that's why I came up. And um, there I taught high school and junior high. It was interesting. It was fun. It was nice being in Kodiak. It was a small community. Everybody knew everybody. The roads were 
unpaved with a lot of potholes. But if you were walking to town and a taxi came by, they did have a few taxis, they would stop and give you a ride just because they didn't have a fare. And it was just kind of like family back then. But after a year, I um, decided that was enough. Enough of Kodiak (laughs) or enough of the guy? Of the fellow, which one? <laughs> enough, well, I guess enough of both because it, it just didn't seem to be anything going. And uh, so I got a job in Missoula, Montana, and taught there for a year. And then it seemed like, well, he did miss me. And So he wrote to you, this gentleman he, had written he, to you while you were in Missoula? It, he wrote all the time. Oh. You know, they weren't often, but they were you know, continuous. And he came by to see me two or three times. Wow. And so then, um, to make a long story short, we married at the end of that year, and I I came back to Kodiak. I didn't teach initially. He said, you can teach or you don't have to teach whatever you want. So I chose not to because we, I wanted a family. And so we had two children. I didn't teach Homac again until the youngest one, who was born the next year. And um, when Wendy got to be kindergarten age, there was an opening in the Homac department, so I decided, by encouragement from other of the teachers, to go ahead and take that job. And that was fun, teaching the high school there. But there was a teacher there that had also taken a, a temporary job for one of the gals who was out for maternity leave. And when she came back, then this other gal was going to be out of a job. She was a single mother, and she needed the job, and I didn't. So I said, I'd rather she have the job. I just wouldn't, wouldn't stay there. Oh, and wow. as it, an immigrant there. Wow. As it happened, though, after that, community college was getting started, and they wanted me to have a half-time job teaching home ec in the college there. And so since the classes a lot were when the kids were at school, that didn't impact family life at all. And uh, so I went ahead and took that job, and it was even more fun. (laughs) Because those students, you know, in high school, some kids like to work and some don't. And, you know, no matter what you do, they don't always become as exciting about something as you do. So... But this, the adults that came, came because they wanted to learn. And so that was, yeah, and that was really, mostly what I uh, taught there was the sewing classes, all different sorts of sewing classes, sewing on knits and sewing regular things and from very basic things, learning how to, what the machine was about and how to take it apart and clean it and yeah. all that. So it was really, really fun. And I worked there, seems like, any two years maybe, and then they offered it full-time because they were having so much interest in it. I went ahead and took the full-time job, and at the end of that year, the union decided they wanted to take charge of the college. I am not a person for unions for service jobs. When you're, it just seems like years ago, teachers were there for teaching the kids and looking out after their best interests and really working for each kid. And then it had gotten to the point when they 
unionized, it was more for how much money I can make. And it's a good job because you get tenure and they can't fire you. I mean, that was my feeling about it, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And you didn't have to join, but you had to pay. Well, if you're going to pay them, that's the same as supporting them. And so we couldn't come to a meeting of the minds. <laughs> I let them have the job. And it probably was the best thing that I did because by that time, Wendy and Tracy were into the teenage years in the school, and it just relieved a pressure that you had when everybody had to leave at the same time and getting ready and getting out the door. I didn't have to, so I could see them out the door, and then I could have time for the rest of the, the jobs I had to do at home. So that was my home career. Wow, that uh, that is an amazing story, and your convictions are very strong, and you stuck to them uh, throughout your entire life. And so do you see any of your students today, or do they, do they, do you see them in the store, or have you ever received a call from one? Oh, often, I mean, often I'll see them if they're still around Cody. Of course, we're all in our older years, even <laughs> them. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really fun to uh, see how, how they've progressed, how their lives have gone. And some still come back to Kodiak, and some are, still live here. But they're fewer and fewer because it seems like people move off and their lives are somewhere else. And we used to keep in, in um, touch with a lot of friends and everybody. We'd send out uh, over 100 newsletters every year, but it's dwindled down quite yeah. a bit. <laughs> Through your home economics experience, is there a favorite part of home economics that you think is the absolute underlying important part for our listeners to hear and say, hey, this is what I consider. Well, it has changed so much because it used to be more a part of the home, and now they've even gotten rid of home economics in the, in the schools. They don't have any anymore. So the young ones, and it wasn't just boy, girls. I had some boys in the class too. They learned to fix meals. They learned to do a lot of things. They learned to manage homes and finances and things. And they may do the finances in math, but they don't do, get the cooking skills that uh, that kind of really was a middle, main part of the family life. And now often families don't even eat together. And they there's seldom home-cooked meals. It's easier to run by something that's a store. And uh, so home economics in the colleges just went their own way and in the classroom. I learned most of my skills from Girl Scouts. And now you've made a life here. Do you have a favorite dish you love making? I just always like to try different, different dishes. I wouldn't say that I have a real favorite of anything. I've enjoyed learning Alaska cooking, and uh, I really like the sourdough pancakes. <laughs> so they that's fun. Well, what an amazing, extensive, positive imprint that you have provided for communities all over the United States. You are very popular because your phone has been ringing a number of times, so I'm sure people are calling for some more advice on their meal. It's close to dinner time. Oh, I don't know. One recipe that I did kind of make up 
was a cranberry cookie, and it uses Alaska cranberry pulp. <clears throat> One of my favorite things was to <clears throat> pick the Alaska cranberries and juice them to have cranberry juice, but I couldn't throw away the pulp. I just couldn't make myself do that. So I would blend it and use it in cookie dough. And I know there was one family that they'd had two sons, and their dad said, they don't like cookies, but they sure like those. Oh, that's so, so good. Did you give them the recipe? Oh, yes. I don't keep recipes if anybody wants them. I'm sure those kids make those cookies <laughs> even today and probably think about you. You don't even know that you're making that positive imprint forever here in communities. But we do things every day. You're teaching and your delightful smile and your delightful personality. Merle, you're very delightful. I'm so glad that you came to tell us your story and share your positive imprint. And you are still making those imprints, so I thank you for that. You know, everybody has a life story. And often we don't know what they're going through. So it's just really neat to kind of observe and see if there are times when you can help somebody else. It's a great closing because that is what makes our world special. Thank you. Well, happy Thanksgiving again to you. I'm thankful for all of the positive imprints that have inspired me and continue to inspire me. And I'm so thankful that you are joining me. This podcast is free. Music by Chris Knoll. ChrisKnoll.com. Thank you for providing positive reviews and following me on Instagram, Facebook, and connecting with me on LinkedIn. Learn more about the show from my website, yourpositiveimprint.com. Thanks for listening to Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.?